Good morning, everyone. You could find your seats. We'll get started. <clears throat> what a blessing it is to be together and, and uh, encourage one another. And so hate to break that up, but uh, we want to kind of get started. Um, why don't we begin with prayer? <clears throat> God, our Father, we are so thankful that you give us your word and that your word can guide us as we um, face the fears of each day, as we um, think about how we ought to live and, and the things that are priority in our lives Guide us as we think about these things today, particularly as we address some um, common fears. And uh, we pray that you'll be in our midst. You'll help us to encourage one another with the things that we think about this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, The outlines are back there. Brian has has those for you if you didn't get one. Um, You notice it's pretty busy because there's a lot of scriptures on here. And... and, um, I, I find it such a comfort to be able to just fall back on God's word for everything we need to know and understand about our fears. So um, you can jot down your thoughts as we think through these. We're not going to go in depth in any of them because we could actually take probably each of those verses and spend an hour or two discussing them. So we're just going to read them and hear what God says through them and, and um, go from there. Well... One of the things we talked about in our first week is is kind of the fear of, of other men uh, or women. Um, we look at ourselves in comparison to others and think of ourselves maybe as inferior or um, not as good as a other person. Uh, we judge ourselves when we see others that have accomplished, um, and sometimes we feel like failures. We worry about what other people might think of us, and... Uh, you know, we, like we said in that first lesson, um, what we think we need will control us. So if we think we need something from other people, such as love, approval, acceptance, we'll become fearful um, if we feel we may not get them. And this fear is so common for people that it can be assumed. We all can assume that we will have those fears. Um, <clears throat> It's the background for all of our lives. So let's see what we can see in Scripture that helps us to deal with that and understand it better. Um, Numbers 13, we'll start with that. And we're going to look at some select verses there. So Numbers 13, we'll start at verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites and the Jebusites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before before Moses and said, Let us go up at once to occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. 
Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we would have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why did the Lord bring us into this land to fall by the sword? Drop down to verse 11 there. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I've done among them? So there are, uh, there are, the fear of man is seen in scriptures before this time, but it's, this is really um, uh, quite a, a, um, quite a long story about fear and and what it does to people. Um, So they come back and they say, this is a wonderful land. True. Bring, bring back the fruit and all of the things that they saw there. And um, I, I, I still remember when I was a kid seeing two men with, with big poles and they were carrying a, a cluster of grapes on this pole because it was too heavy to carry with one person. Kind of an interesting thought. Um, a rich land. And it's the land that God promised. But they see things they fear and then they sin. They sin because they refuse to see God's attributes. And, um, you know, they, they bring the report to Moses and they, they, they bring these fears up. But then after that, when Caleb points out to them, look, God's going God's to give us the victory here. He's, this land he's promised us. We can take this land. We can do it. Then they start kind of embellishing that. And you can kind of see where when they talk to the people, they've added something to that. The land devours its inhabitants. That's kind of a kind of a stretch. Um, so anyway, uh, as a consequence, um, it's pretty devastating. God says, "All right, you don't want to go into the land. Fine, you're going to wander for forty years and you're going to die in the wilderness, like you wanted to do." He does give the land to their children. So the the problem here is that they underestimated God's power to provide. They turned away from Him when they were afraid instead of turning to him. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 8 says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from their flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Matthew 10, 28 says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Sometimes our fear of other man can destroy our witness as well. Um, we're afraid of others, what, what others might think because we're more concerned ab- about what people think of us and fail to see their need for the gospel. Um, I'm sure we've all had times, I know I have, when we held back from speaking boldly about the hope we have. 
whether it was to friends or family or just people we meet, we, we feared that they might stop loving us or giving us the admiration and respect that we crave. Peter is a, a good example of that, the Apostle Peter. Um, you know, he, he denied Jesus three times before Jesus was crucified, just like Jesus had prophesied that he would. And Jesus restores him. And it's kind of interesting to read that. I'll just read a few excerpts from John 21. <clears throat> when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Just down to the bottom of 19 there. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. I guess so that's the point, right? Um, When Jesus spoke to Peter to restore him, his, his admonition is repeated three times. Again, kind of the emphasis in scripture is if it's repeated twice it's important if it's repeated three times it's really important and you need to really pay attention to it so there's shame on peter's part because he realizes he's failed him he's failed his lord excuse me um but there's also restoration when when peter um repents from his sin and, and and basically confesses it here Jesus lets us know that, that love for the sheep is to control um, our motivations, our, our, our thoughts. Jesus is the good shepherd, and, he, and his rescue of his sheep is motivated by his great love for them. A shepherd sacrifices his own comfort for those of his sheep. We must likewise keep our desires in check, our desire for um, <clears throat> respect and admiration and all those things need to be kept in check uh, the desire to be loved needs to be outdistanced by a desire to love others more. And that's the thought that I wanted to communicate is that <clears throat> to help us deal with our fear of other men, it's very helpful to look at them with compassion, with love, with concern, even if they're, they're people you, you like, to, like to spend time with and you love them, like family members and such that don't know the Lord. Your witness to them can be a, a lot more improved if you can look at it that way and say, I love this person, therefore I'm going to share the gospel with them. First John, uh, let's see. First John 3.11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So God, by his spirit, brings us a new life in him. If we know him, it makes all the difference when it comes to our witness and in overcoming fear uh, of what others think of us. Another way to fight fear is to fight it with fear. Right? That doesn't make sense, but fight fear with fear. Um, when we have a particular fear, one of the best ways to overcome it is to replace it And here I think the fear of God is the best way to do it. I want to read a little quote from uh, Ed Welch's book. 
which I found very helpful. The fear, in the fear of the Lord, has a much broader meaning than we normally assign it. It can mean obedient reverence and awe. It is a great joy, a prized possession, Isaiah 33, 6. A fountain of life, Proverbs 14, 27. It is the foundation of all wisdom and knowledge. For our children, it is essential, Proverbs 34, 11. God's goodness is stored up for those who fear him, Psalm 31, 19. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, Psalm 33, 7. The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, Psalm 33, 18. You get the idea there's so many verses in Scripture that provide us with hopeful promises about how to overcome our fears. There is also an aspect of fear in our fear of the Lord. Think of what people do when they are in the presence of the Lord God. Uh, I want to cite a few examples. Job said, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Job 40, verse 4. Isaiah cried out, Woe to me, I am ruined. Uh, another way to interpret that would be to be undone or deconstructed. I remember Sinclair Ferguson um, uh, preached uh, the memorial service for R.C. Sproul, and um, that's worth a listen because he breaks that down, what it means to be completely deconstructed and put back together in the way that God wants us to be. Anyway, as I continue here, For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, Isaiah 6, 5. The disciples' response to Jesus when he calms the storm, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were terrified of him. Isaiah gives us a good idea of why this is. Um, God is holy, and we're responding to his holiness. No matter what God reveals about himself, it is revealing his holiness. His love is holy, his truth is holy, his kindness is holy, his sternness is holy. The reason we fear the Lord is such a robust response to God. It's a response to his holiness. Um, His holiness pervades all of his attributes. God is incomparable. There is no one like our God. No one can compare to him. So we have to change the way we think about our fears um, for, from one of thinking about ourselves to start thinking about um, God. God is not human. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't respond like us. He has all power, wisdom, and holiness. And we have to trust his word, especially when he makes promises that seem to be too good to be true. We must believe and trust his word. Um, R.C. Sproul has a, a, a saying that he uses all the time, Coram Deo, which means to live before the face of God. Um, Exodus 20, 20, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. So our fear of God displaces our fear of men. When we seek the kingdom and his righteousness, uh, we are demonstrating our allegiances in a positive way. When I fear the Lord, I fear nothing else. That's a good thought to think about. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Um, let's go to Psalm 34 a little bit. I want to look at a few things there.
beginning verse 1, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, and those who fear him have no, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Um, Let's go down to verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And then verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So we see that replacing our fears of men with the fear of God is the best way for us to go. What, um, what are your thoughts about this? What speaks to you in these, in these uh, verses and what we've talked about so far? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I like the phrase in there, too, where he, he says he encamps around us. <laughs> wow. That's, that's quite a thought, really. Um, Joshua, when, when he was getting ready to fight, I think it was Jericho, um, the, one of the, the army of the Lord basically showed up, a soldier in front of him. And uh, I think I've heard that that was a theophany of Jesus actually standing there. And, and Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And he doesn't answer that and say, I'm for you or I'm against you. He says, no. And then, then he says, we're going to go fight this battle and win. And, and Joshua falls on his face on the ground and worships him because he knows, wow, here's my help. And so to know that He encamps around us is a great, great encouragement. It, it causes us to be fearless. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That deliverance is amazing too. And it comes in unexpected ways, but yeah, it's always there. Yeah, good. can't touch us without God's allowing it. Yeah. Charlie. Just a question. Um, kind of going back to numbers, what you were reading, um, in the bad report there, would you say that there is something in the fact that um, the confidence that we are to have and the activity on our part, so Israel was not only receiving the land, but at the same time they were taking the land. So the two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, even maybe when we're fearful and we know the task that's before us and we and we shy away from it, we're disobeying. We're disobeying God in what he wants us to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's right. Yeah. They got what they wanted there. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. They did. Right. Yes. Yeah. Some really good things to think about. And and I encourage you know, to um, not just this psalm. There are many psalms that talk about fear and how we're to approach it and deal with it. Meditate on those. They're so helpful. So very helpful. Well, I think we probably ought to talk more about another fear, which is... Fear of death and judgment. Death is common for all men and women, right? I mean, we're all going to face it. There's no one on this planet that's not going to face death. We all die. It's a very uncomfortable subject. Um, Our instinct is to talk about something else, anything else, if possible. Um, But death will come to all of us one day. It's a bit easier to face if you are a believer Um, but still not on our list of top five things to talk about. Um, It's because there are things we fear about death. And it'll be helpful a little bit to begin to specify some of those fears and and think about how we should deal with them. One fear is the fear of the way you might die. I remember an interview with R.C. Sproul where he was asked whether he feared dying, and he said, no, I don't fear dying. I just fear the process. (laughs) I fear the way I might die. Um, And... I think we've all heard of and seen people who died in great pain and suffering, and we just hope that it won't be that way for us, right? Um, that we, but we will have grace for tomorrow. We will have grace to face that future test, whatever it may be. Um, it, it, it's kind of like manna in the wilderness. God's promised it. He will give us what we need, and we know that we can trust that. For whatever we face, we will have the grace to go through it. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12 says, Our God... Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a good thing to remind ourselves of when we're, when we're facing these things. 
Another fear might be fear of hardships for our loved ones. Um, if there are things you need to do to take care of, to, to kind of prepare uh, in that sense for your loved ones when you pass, um, you, you know, like your finances, make sure that they are being kept in order and, uh, you know, um, getting in order before you go, letting your loved ones know where things are, where you, where they would find things. And um, just make sure of all these things, insurances and whatever you need to do to feel comfortable with that. <clears throat> and there are different ways of that for everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once these things are out of the way, then you can remember again and again as much as you need to that God will provide comfort and grace in that situation for your loved ones. Don't be anxious. Pray. Uh, I think next week we're going to cover that a lot more in depth because God wants us to have peace and he gives us a way to get that peace, and that's through prayer. Um, <clears throat> you don't know when death might be, but if you give these things your attention now, um, you and your loved ones will be better off when the time comes. Don't worry. Pray. So God also speaks to our fear of judgment. Um, there's a, a verse in Hebrews. Let me read that really quick. And there are actually several that are kind of like this as well. But uh, Hebrews 10, verse uh, 26 and 27. <clears throat> For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of the fire that will consume the adversaries. <clears throat> um, it's a scary verse. It, 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 I know there are some others, too, that talk about judgment for people who um, continue to willfully sin. Um, we know that Jesus took all of our sins and gave us his righteousness, but we worry somehow that we are not quite as good as we should be and that maybe we've denied his grace and are going to reserve, receive his judgment for it. This is when we must remind ourselves of what, it, of what Jesus did. He took all our sin, all of it, past, present, future, all of our sins. He took that, and we, we have to really remind ourselves of that constantly. No matter how much we fail, he's paid it all. Um, the Apostle Paul said it the best, I think, in Romans 7. Let's kind of go there. Uh, I want to look at chapter 7, verse 21, uh, chapter 8, verse 2. <clears throat> so, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Um, I think we all feel that way, right? There are many days when you go by and you think, oh, I failed again. And it's good to know we're in good company there. If, if the Apostle Paul could say that, I'm sure um, we're right there with him. 
But then he continues on in chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What a great reminder that we are forgiven. And every believer with an intact conscience will acknowledge that they have broken God's law. An imperfect love for God and other people live in every believer's heart. It's important to know that we, what we need to do with this. Once we acknowledge it, confess it, repent from it, and God forgives you. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What comes with that, though, is a striving on our part. You know, we know we are sinners, but it's not an excuse to go on with it. What we need to do then is to strive to live as kingdom children uh, who uh, give honor and glory to God, uh, the honor and glory that's due his name. People who have inactive and seared consciences don't think about eternal things. So if you're thinking about eternal things, the the fact that you're still a a sinner and that you need God's grace daily, uh, that's good. It means your conscience is alive and it means that that you are are well spiritually. And you should be encouraged by that. Um, And this is where our fellowship together really, really helps. It's important for us to encourage one another, to um, talk to each other about the things that we struggle with and and ask for prayer and help from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I always think of the, the hymn, In Christ Alone, which I would read, but I wouldn't get through it. <laughs> Very good to know whose we are. So I think it's really good now to think about a glimpse of heaven and what's, what's in store for us. God repeats the command, do not be afraid, hundreds of times because he wants us to know peace. When we fear or worry, God never throws up his hands and says, you are driving me crazy. Haven't I told you not to fear? He never does that. He's not silent during our struggles. Think how strange it would be for God to say, okay, you've persuaded me, you're not my child. (laughs) That's completely backwards. And God is so gracious to us that he never never says, yeah, you're right, you're worthless, go away. He doesn't do that. When we fear judgment, it might be because there is sin that we need to deal with. Okay, and so... Are there past sins that you feel guilty about? If you find yourself saying, I can't believe God would forgive me for that, remind yourself that all scriptures point to the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Acts 10.43 says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. God's not waiting for us to reform to a certain point before he forgives us. He's always speaking to us in his word. Isaiah forty three twenty five says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake 
and I will remember your sins. God bases his forgiveness on himself, on his own forgiving character, not on the quality of your confession of sin. He is faithful and he will forgive you. Our feelings will try to say that we should be condemned, but we must believe that God is who he says he is. Maybe there's sin that's hidden to us. Um, We can't go far wrong if we echo the psalmist plea and say in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If you're struggling with something and you can't really figure out what it is, if you pray that, God will reveal to you what you need to do differently or how you need to repent from something. Another one I think to think about is present sin. In our celebration of the Lord's Supper, our pastors always admonish us to not hold on to our sin, but to go to the Lord, confess it, and repent. Here again, John, 1 John 1, 9 and 8 and 9 are helpful for us because we can remind ourselves that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, uh, chapter th- 3 of First John also is good, verse 14. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So whether we're worried about money, food, clothing, shelter, the judgments of other people, death, suffering, or the final judgment, we have grace for today. Romans 5 Verse 15, I read some verses from there. Um, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Here's a really important concept that I want you to get a hold of. And it kind of is it's what we believe about God's preserving work in us, um, the preservation of the saints. If God demonstrated his love so sacrificially at the cross, how could we think that God would leave us on our own to cope with the difficulties of this life? <laughs> That's a really good thought. We, we're not alone. We, we don't struggle on our, in our own strength. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also... With him, graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. God delights in his people, not because of anything in us that is delightful, but because he is who he is. He is the one who chooses us and saves us. I wonder if somebody could um, read for us Zephaniah uh, chapter 3. I'm going to go from 14 to 17. 
Zephaniah 3, 14 to 17. Somebody want to read that? Volunteers? It's a hard one to find. It's in there. Got it? Who, who could read that for us? I would, but I'll choke up in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, verse 14 to, to verse 17. Charlie, I think you raised your hand. Go ahead. Wow. He delights in us. And it's a very happy thought to know that, that in spite of all that we are, he delights in us. What would it be like to lose everything? We fear the thought of it. Um, But as we noted last week, sometimes the things we own, own us. Um, It can be liberating to live in a more simple way. I would uh, have to admit that I probably struggle with that more than my dear wife, who is already always ready to declutter and simplify. I would probably be a hoarder if given half the chance. Um, You only need to see my wood shop to know that's not far from the truth. There's no piece of wood that doesn't get brought home (laughs) if it's there. C.S. Lewis said this, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. I'm going to read that again because it took a little bit for that to sink into me. He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. When we're fixated on the things that come with our death, we don't understand that the most important stuff has already happened We already died in Christ. There's no penalty of sin for us to pay. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Romans 6, 1 says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can one who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. In Adam we died, but in Christ we are made alive. Um, You know, Satan always tries to whisper in our ear, yeah, but you're, you're really bad. God could never forgive you. He already has. If we've died to our sin and we've confessed Christ as our Savior, we are saved from that sin. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Nothing else we try to hang on to matters because we see that dying to self and living for Christ matters more 
we no longer become overwhelmed by our fears. Okay. Any thoughts or questions or comments? knees, bad hips, bad ankles. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff, right? I resemble that remark. <laughs> yeah, 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 all of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I, I constantly need to remind myself that I've been forgiven in Christ. I mean, there so many days go by and I think, ah, I've done it again. I, I either haven't done what I should have done or I did what I shouldn't have done. And, and it just doesn't seem to be any way that I can overcome that. Um, although God gives us victories little by little as we, as we really strive to, to, to live better for him. Um, but it's a struggle. It's a daily struggle, and I always need to be reminded of God's grace there. I want to kind of let you know that I'm going to combine a couple of lessons from here on out. So we really have two more weeks left. Um, which is not what I showed originally. Uh, originally, I said nine weeks, but we're going to do it in six because I think things kind of fit together better and we kind of become repetitive as we go along here, and you'll see why. I think the message is always that when we fear, we have somewhere to go with that fear. We can go to our God. We can we can um, let him know what our fears are. And, and he says, I will have grace for you. You think about all the times that Israel encountered something they feared, and God delivered them from that fear in amazing ways. But when they walked away from it and said, oh, I'm afraid and I can't do anything about it. And they didn't turn to God with it. They struggled and they, and they ended up in captivity and all these horrible things that happened. So I think the message is always clear. We need to go to our God with our fear. Charlie. Yeah. 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 Our test of courage against sin, um, when we're bold against that, God, God will give us what we need. Yeah, that's that's a good thought. I think we're 
probably at the point where we should close. And uh, I'm always available to talk to anybody. If you have other things that we haven't covered or, or you feel you need more understanding on, I'd uh, love to talk to you. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for your blessings to us that you give us this time to, to think about fear and to deal with it and to learn some ways that we can handle it better and, and um, even to be bold against it. Thank you for the encouragement that our brothers and sisters are for each of us. Bless us now as we begin to think about worshiping together. May you be in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen.